right, everyone. Welcome back to the Crypto 101 podcast. Pizza Mind here. And wow, what a week we have survived. Uh, some of us have anyway. DeFi lost about half of its value last week in one of the biggest crashes ever as the UST stablecoin depegged, exploded, was annihilated. Um, a lot of trust in crypto and blockchain has really been shaken. And people are wondering, is Terra going to recover? Is DeFi going to recover? Is crypto going to recover? This all in tandem of Bitcoin dropping uh, from its last support level. And in times of crisis, the government likes to come by and say, don't worry, we're here for help. But in the crypto space, we don't want the government's help. And we've got our own governing bodies to solve these problems and create these standards as an industry that is trying to build a more responsible world, it has to start here. There's no buck to pass because we're disintermediating the dollar. So to talk about all things stable coins, I've got the one guy who knows more about this than I do that has come on here to gracious with his presence. Uh, David Puth, the CEO of Center Consortium. Welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Hey Aaron, it's uh, it's great to be here, and thank you for the timeliness of uh, this interview. I couldn't be more pleased to be part of this program. Well, I have to thank Ryan, our producer, for that. It wasn't my doing, um, but it is the perfect timing. So, first of all, let's talk a little bit about who you are before we talk about last week's debacle and get a holy education on stable coins. You've done some incredible work in the world of finance already. You've uh, been on the board of directors for the Robin Hood Foundation, and you've also done some work with the Bank of International Settlements. Can you talk to us about how you got into those positions and what were you doing at each of those companies? Well, I first, again, really appreciate the opportunity to talk about both of those things. Uh, the Bank for International Settlements, I think, as many people know, is known as the, the, the Central Bankers Bank. And the BIS promotes financial stability in everything it does. What I was involved with for a period of three years was chairing a market practices group where we took roughly 50 participants from the private sector, uh, along with a roughly equal number from the public sector, and came together to devise best practices and actual standards for the global foreign exchange market, which not unlike the crypto market is a market without boundaries. And we spent three years on that project. It was very rewarding. And those standards and practices have now been largely adopted by the foreign exchange community. And what happened after those standards were adopted? Was it you know a bunch of people exiting and new people entering was there increased volatility was there decreased volatility what was the goal that these standards had in mind for the foreign exchange community there'd been 10 years of issues and challenges that came to light regarding market practices that frankly needed change and what happened with the adoption of the foreign exchange best practices, which were launched in 2018 and again revised in 2019, was with that adoption, it brought greater trust to users of the foreign exchange market. And I think the analogies to crypto are, uh, are frankly very close. 
much of what Center does, and we'll get to it, is is try to bring more trust to initially to the stablecoin community, but trust in the stablecoin community, as we saw from the events of the past couple of weeks, bring trust to the to the crypto community itself. You asked the question as you opened up, will will people come back to DeFi? Will people come back to crypto? And the answer is a resounding yes. But as you also pointed out quite rightly is we need, the industry needs to do this for itself. The government, we, we do not want the government telling us how to run the crypto industry. We need the industry to come together, uh, both as individuals and as entities, to come up with practices that work that build trust for all. Yeah, and this is something we've been talking about on several of our other podcasts, just kind of in mentioning with some of our other guests, you know, we need some standards, we need some interoperability, at least for interoperability, at least. So I mean, we were wondering if anyone's going to take the bull by the horns, and it looks like Center Consortium has done that. So one, thank you, and two, what are some of the standards that you think are going to give crypto traders more comfort in this space? What are some of the problems that need to be solved? Well, let's let's start with what we work on today. And so Center, uh, by way of background, was conceived by Coinbase and Circle, two of the absolute leaders in the cryptocurrency ecosystem, to develop a stable coin that would uh, have trust and transparency. And to do that, creating a separate entity that would that would work with the broader ecosystem to develop standards that would help support USDC initially, but future stable coins uh, was an idea that was conceived in 2018 and really put into practice over the course of the last 18 months. So I was uh, the first employee at Center. I joined in December of 2020, and uh, we, we hired a team of people, which is now up to approaching 20 strong. It was a remarkable year for USDC, as it was for Coinbase and Circle, uh, as we saw really exponential growth uh, from just north of $2 billion when I joined in, in 2020 to $51 billion uh, in outstanding market cap today. So the standards that we've used to help support USDC and that we will do with future center certified stablecoins, we hope will be something that will bring more trust to the marketplace. and. So that's that's the mission that we're on today, and we're just getting started. Yeah, we've seen USDC growth uh, really exponential, and it, it's personally my favorite stablecoin. It's got the least amount of drama and rumors about it. You know, everyone knows who Circle and Coinbase is. You know, they're very well established firms with good track records. So that's awesome. And you said potentially more stablecoins coming. What are some of the other stable coins that you guys are, you know, exploring opportunities with. Well, I can, uh, without speaking specifically, I can I can talk generally about the work that we're doing today. So, as as one would imagine, given the successful growth of USDC, that again issued by Circle but built on standards designed by uh, by Center and increasingly by the stablecoin community, USDC has taken off. Uh, and the interest in developing similar fiat-backed stablecoins in, uh, in other geographies around the world has grown significantly over the course of the past year. So today, we're actively involved in five products, uh, excuse me, five projects uh, working on uh, developing 
non-dollar stable coins using the same framework that was used to launch USDC. And this is with a number of different participants in the marketplace, some interest from traditional finance, but also a great deal of interest uh, from exchanges around the world, from other entities that would like to build stable coins, again, using the center framework and standards. And I think the community should expect to see new center certified stable coins come out during the course of 2022. So we're pretty excited about the progress that we made and and where we think this stablecoin ecosystem is is going to go. And I'd like to come back to that later in your program to talk about the the ultimate vision of where we think we can take this. Yeah, in fact, I'd like to touch on that now, if that's okay, because I have a very naive question, and that's why? Why in the first place does a company want to issue a stablecoin? And how do they make money off of issuing a stablecoin? Well, in in some cases, I think stablecoins will be issued largely for public good. Uh, in, uh, in a positive interest rate environment, there are economics associated with stable coins that uh, could be attractive for prospective issuers. And, and Circling Coinbase have certainly identified ways in which uh, issuing a stable coin uh, can be a, a positive undertaking. So if one thinks about taking in dollars, as is the case with USDC, and keeping those dollars uh, on account for clients and earning a modest amount of interest, that's, uh, that's economically an economically viable model. At the same time, I think if you think about Coinbase or FTX or other major exchanges around the world, the use of stable coins really enable uh, the crypto community to get into and out of other tokens. And that was the primary application for stable coins when they were first launched and particularly for USDC. But with this tremendous growth of decentralized finance, USDC has become, I think, the stable coin of choice to be used in, in many DeFi applications around the world. But as I said, I think we're just getting started. So if one thinks about the longer term vision of how stable coins can really change the overall ecosystem for payments. Imagine today that there are literally trillions of dollars that are transacted across borders every single day. Uh, in fact, the global foreign exchange market, as reported by the BIS, cites roughly $6 trillion a day of gross notional transactions that, that move across borders between the largest of financial institutions and corporations in the world to the individuals who move money, who send remittances home to their family. I think our target at the in the beginning is to ensure that we can make payments in the longer run faster and less expensive for the, the person who wants to move money across borders. If we can design, as we're doing today, and execute on a plan for a trusted network of interoperable stablecoins around the world. So just imagine a Swiss franc stablecoin and a Japanese yen stablecoin and uh, a Guatemalan stablecoin, all interoperable uh, and all able to do what we know is possible today. And that is move money at the speed of the internet for a fraction of the cost of what transactions are. One thing that policymakers agree upon uh, around the world is that the cost of a cross-border transaction 
is far too great than it should be. In fact, I, the, the average cost to an individual is something on the order of 7%. We know through, through stable coins and through cryptocurrencies, we can reduce those costs to a fraction uh, of what they are. And if you think about it, that, that creates real financial inclusion. That's where we really can get people to take ownership of their own financial situation, be able to move money on their terms when they want to do so. And that's interesting because this was the problem that Bitcoin was invented to solve, but it wasn't able to scale. And it's been really way too volatile to be accepted in a lot of places. But the U.S. dollar is pretty much accepted anywhere around the world, even if it's not on the sign outside. Um, and being able to scale USDC onto multiple blockchains now, I think, I don't know how many you guys are on, what, 10, 15? And yes, probably counting? We're up to, yes, we're, we're up to 10, but there'll be, there, there are more to come. Yeah. How does uh, layer one apply or what does the process of uh, picking and choosing which ones to issue USDC on? Well, there's there's a fairly extensive diligence process that's that's undertaken by uh, independently by Circle and by Center to identify the chains in which we have the the greatest amount of confidence and those that we we truly believe will will grow in the future. Uh, and as you correctly identified, Bitcoin is an extraordinary instrument that can be used by people uh, around the world to accumulate value as a store of wealth, uh, as an investment vehicle, and perhaps under certain very unique situations as a payment vehicle. But the Bitcoin blockchain and even the Ethereum blockchain are not suitable for a high volume of transactions. And what we're seeing today with the tremendous speed and interest that we see in and chains like Solana, like Algorand, like Hedera, we see tremendous promise in the future of being able to really do high value, uh, high frequency payments using these new blockchains. And that's really where our focus is for the future. Are all stablecoins created equal under the hood or are there different types? And is one just as good as the other? I mean, there's gotta be at least a dozen or two different variations of a digital U.S. dollar uh, released so far. But what are some of the, the different ways they're constructed and risks associated with them that we might not be aware of? Well, there, there are fundamental differences and uh, between stable coins. And I'll, I'll break it into two broad categories, and then we can, then we can maybe go a little deeper. I do want to say that, that uh, Center supports the development of safe stable coins in whatever form they can evolve. And our role is to help the industry develop more trust through the, through the adoption of standards to develop more trust in the ecosystem. Uh, and so while we think the model that we've applied and the framework we're using for USDC and future center certified stable coins is the best model for certain applications, I, I don't wish to in any way suggests that it's the only model that may exist in the future. Uh, as we saw last week, algorithmic stablecoins are complex and, and not always able to do what they had indicated to their users that they would be able to do. And that is to maintain a one-to-one -one peg with a fiat-backed currency, with a fiat currency. Uh, USDC and other fiat-backed stablecoins have adopted a model that there will 
in, in the case of USDC, that there will always be at, at least an equal amount of US dollars supporting the activities uh, of USDC. So a dollar in creates the, the, the minting of one USDC. And when a client comes to redeem, they, they receive their dollar back. That's the model on which we're most focused today that we think is both the, the safest model and the one through what we expect through the further development of, of standards and working with the community will become the most trusted model in the future. Makes sense. So if we're looking at UST, which was not backed dollar to dollar, it's depegged and it's been like this for about a week now. It's currently sitting at five cents. Is there any hope for recovery for this thing? And if so, what do they need to do to fix it? It's hard for me to comment exactly on the mechanics. I think that the people behind UST have made a, a very strong commitment to try to keep this, this model moving forward. But it's difficult for me to say. Uh, I, uh, We've tended to focus our energies on, again, a model that's, that's entirely different and one that's based on full transparency and trust. Uh, we, uh, along with Circle, issue an attestation report uh, on a monthly basis that uh, both attests to what currencies are, uh, what attests to the amount of dollars that are supporting USDC, but also increasingly instruments in which you, uh, those dollars are invested to give the community a greater sense of confidence of, of uh, that they will always be able to redeem their USDC for $1. When it comes to crypto, something we preach endlessly is keeping your assets secure. And in today's digital world, the same exact thing can be said about everything we access and share across the internet. So if you're looking for a safe way to send and receive any kind of digital data or information or really anything online, well, a great resource we've used is NordVPN. Uh, and here are a few reasons why NordVPN really stands out. So first of all, their next generation technology is used to secure top secret data, literally top secret, so much so that it's actually recommended by the NSA. And don't let that intimidate you because NordVPN is easy to use for anyone. You can connect with literally one click or enable auto connect for a zero click protection. And again, it's secure with, with more than 5,400 servers across 60 countries. NordVPN is actually the fastest VPN out there. It's available on every major platform like Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV supports NordVPN. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash crypto 101 to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus free threat protection, plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So again, visit nordvpn.com slash crypto101 today and look for the coupon code crypto101 and it's automatically applied to your order. Without throwing shade at anybody else in the space, but just giving us the, the honest risks associated with some of these projects, what are the individual risks of holding USDC versus USDT Tether, which is another huge one in the space, and also DAI, the DAI token? I, I, I'll bring it back to the risks will always be 
an absence of complete understanding of what is supporting the activity. What is what is it that is being used to maintain that 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 dollar peg? And the only way that a user Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months, but don't worry when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recordings. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Ufi video lock is 24 seven. So you don't have to worry about any issues you have and it comes with an 18 month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Can know that is by dealing with an organization that is willing to disclose all of the mechanisms that support that. Uh, and so die is an, and I, I think die is a, is a, is a very different vehicle. If one looks at tether uh, and the comparisons between tether and USDC are made very, very frequently. Uh, tether is the world's largest fiat backed stable coin, the largest, uh, the largest, excuse me, the largest, largest dollar stable coin. However, there has there have been questions raised about the transparency of the reserves. And that's something again that we've really focused on with USDC and in the development of new stable coins is, is the user of those stable coins can always have the confidence of, of what is supporting that activity. In any case, despite all the FUD, if you will, uh Tether survived, die survived, die's depegged before. Uh Tether's depegged, you know as well and it's recovered so a lot of this stuff uh, was really temporary so when ust continued to get worse and worse and worse and worse and really just get annihilated it was very surprising uh for just about everybody and i think there's still a lot of holders out there that uh still have a lot of hope and i do too you know the the luna foundation really cares and they're going to do the best that they can with their bitcoin reserves uh, to make people as whole as possible. So we we sit on the edge of our seat waiting for the resolution of the latest drama in DeFi. 
But I think there's a lot of people out there that are wondering, why does a stable coin depeg in the first place? Well, it, it, you know, market forces uh, are, are things that uh, people have been trying to forecast for all of time. And, and it's truly impossible to try to identify where the next crisis is going to come from. In fact, one thing that we do know is wherever that crisis comes from, it will look different than the previous one. And what the crypto uh, markets experienced over the last several weeks, I wouldn't necessarily refer to as a crisis, but was certainly a challenge to the integrity of the marketplace. And as you correctly highlight, there were some survivors from that uh, that those challenges that I think further fortified and and hopefully builds additional trust that people have. Interestingly, and I think this is uh, important for us to highlight, is USDC actually the the volume and activity in USDC and the outstanding uh, USDC in circulation actually spiked up quite significantly over the course of the last week and. I think it it can only be explained as a flight to quality and that people generally recognize that USDC is a safe, stable coin asset. Uh, and once again, differentiating between DeFi protocols where people are paying a certain amount of interest on an asset, uh, USDC is a means of payment and a way to get into and out of other parts of the crypto ecosystem. But USDC is is clearly one that people can count on. I'll make the analogy in this case to traditional finance, uh, and we've certainly seen traditional finance fail in a number of different ways over the last 15 to 25 years. If people needed to exit uh, all of their dollars from any major bank on the same day at the same time, it would be difficult for those dollars to be accessed. It's not to suggest that they're not there. It would be difficult for them to be accessed. One of the things that we can say confidently about USDC is there is a dollar available for every USDC outstanding in a liquid instrument. And I think that's a, dis, uh, a distinguishing, distinguishing factor both between other stablecoins in the ecosystem, and even some elements of traditional finance. You mentioned earlier that when you were working with the Bank of International Settlements, it was a three-year project to really get these standards together with multiple revisions. Where are you on the journey to create these crypto stablecoin standards? How far are you in and how much further do you think you have to go? We are absolutely in. Uh, no, no more than the first inning. Uh, and my commitment to what I think we can build in the coming years uh, is, is quite significant. Uh, we, we have what we think are a, the, the good foundation uh, for standards that will, that will help the community. But what we also anticipate uh, is that regulation will begin to move into particularly into the stablecoin ecosystem. Uh, people are very conscious of the president, president's working group recommendations that came out uh, at the end of last year. There's been a great deal written from uh, policymakers and regulators internationally about the need for standards and stablecoins. 
And Michael Shu, the uh, controller of the currency, spoke about the need for stablecoin standards. Janet Yellen came out last week, uh, again, calling for stablecoin standards. We need to work very hard and very quickly to be able to build things that keep, uh, keep confidence in, uh, in the ecosystem. And we're only getting started. Uh, I, I would like to just add, it's an important point in the way we operate, and that is we are trying to be anticipatory about regulation. So building standards that will be additive to regulation. A, stand, a standard and a principle will never replace responsible regulation. But we hope that if we anticipate this properly, we have will have built a strong foundation for the community going forward. And that as regulation appears to uh, uh, begins to appear, there will be responsible regulation governing the stablecoin ecosystem. And, and we embrace that. We welcome that. I think there's a lot of us out there listening that really, really embrace that idea that uh, maybe came in after the Wild West days and are really terrified anytime uh, something comes riding back into town causing problems. Um, you know, as we say in this space all the time, not your keys, not your crypto. Every, you know, January, there's an event where everyone withdraws their money from exchanges just to prove they're solvent. And there have been exchanges in the past that have failed that test. So we always, you know, tell people, unless it is Coinbase, probably don't leave your money on an exchange. You know, Coinbase has proven themselves over almost a decade now that they can be trusted with custodying funds, but there's still a lot of issues. While they're not running away with anyone's funds, sometimes people get locked out. Uh, there's problems creating support tickets or there's long support queues. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, AML things that come popping up from time to time, whether you did anything wrong or not. Maybe something three or four hops down the chain got triggered on their chain analysis that they have to look into. So there's a lot of things that are going on. And change is scary even if it's for the better. How do you guys work with government regulators to try and tell them, don't kill this ecosystem. This is what the people that use it expect. This is what they want. This is what their problems are. How do we fix this in a way that doesn't disintermediate the entire user base? I, I think you've just asked the most important question. Uh, how do we maintain the extraordinary growth of the crypto ecosystem uh, while having responsible regulation appear. And we work very closely with Coinbase and with Circle and increasingly with other members of the crypto community to ensure that Center is representing the best ideas of uh, back to the regulatory community in terms of how things can evolve. And we consider that a critical part of our role, and it will become increasingly uh, increasingly important in the coming years. So you've, you've, you've set that up uh, a, a very much in the way that we think about it, it which is we, we are working with regulators and policymakers to ensure that responsible regulation is, is that which is imparted. The U.S. has a tremendous lead over the rest of the world in its development of of innovative technologies in all fields. And we want to be certain that the US and other major uh, economies around the world are helping encourage the development of uh, proper crypto regulation rather than kill this innovation. 
let's fast forward five years in the future, which is the most ridiculous question to ever ask of a guest because this crypto space moves so fast. But presumably, let's assume this is going to happen. Five years in the future, central bank digital currencies are done with their pilots. They figured out their sets of interoperability standards. And now we have central bank digital currencies rolled out across most of Earth. Do stable coins still exist and work in tandem with central bank digital currencies? Are they competing products? How does that landscape work? Is our stable I guess what I'm asking is, are stable coins just a stepping stone to central bank digital currencies? You, you, you've given me the toughest scenario to answer because you've, you've created the world where central bank digital currencies are active and, and working today. And I think that's I think it's part. inevitable. And if it, I'm it, wrong, I, I want you to tell me. Well, I, 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 I certainly don't know whether you're wrong, but I would suggest the following. And that is that policymakers generally seek private sector solutions to major issues. Governments, in, particularly in Western economies, do not wish to impose solutions to market participants that could otherwise be done more effectively by the private sector. Stable coins are operable today and growing at an exceptional pace. And for that reason, my expectation is that governments are going to watch the evolution of stable coins to make a decision as to whether or not a central bank digital currency is applicable. It's a big challenge in, in the US to think of a central bank digital currency that can reach 350 million people. It's very, very hard. Whereas today, it is easy for people to access a wallet and get involved with USDC. So my first answer to the question is, I think, I, I think we're some time away from a central bank digital currency at a major scale being out there and active. I think there will be wholesale solutions and there are some today, but at the consumer retail level, uh, I think it will be, it, it's, it's a very, it's a real leap to think that, that we'll get there in the next five years. My expectation is that stable coins by the time that central bank digital currencies are close to arriving will be ubiquitous. They'll be in, uh, in every major economy and in, Many of the uh, developing countries where I think the application of stablecoins may even be more important than it is in some of the major economies, more important to that local ecosystem. So our vision, as I alluded to earlier, is to create a trusted network of interoperable stablecoins in every country uh, around the world, and that our model and framework and foundation for building those will be ones that different entities can pick up in different jurisdictions very quickly. Interoperability is key. You, highlight, you highlighted that earlier. It is a standard on which we are intensely focused today and hope to have some answers tomorrow. But I think uh, in the near term, central bank digital currencies and stable coins may coexist, but in the long term, a private sector solution is always going to be a better outcome. Couldn't agree more with that. Speaking of USDC, I'm going to go on record and say that I trust USDC. I trust other stable coins too. But when it comes to my own personal savings in crypto and my funds, long-term holdings, I hold USDC. And that's primarily it. I trade in all kinds of other stable coins. But when it comes to something I know is going to be here five, 10 years down the road, if I lose a wallet and then recover it, that's pretty much it. So 
I also want to be able to use USDC as I travel internationally at whatever restaurants I go to or whatever hotels I stay at. It would be so convenient if I didn't have to convert it into a fiat currency to pay for stuff. What's the next step to gaining merchant adoption? Because I really think that's the biggest market sector that is yet to develop in crypto is the actual merchant side of things. Well, thank you, first of all, for the trust that you put in USDC. And you, I, I can tell you that the people at Center and at Circle and at Coinbase are working very hard to maintain and earn that trust all the time. And so I, I would expect that you should be able to fully maintain that confidence of your use of USDC. The last mile questions maybe are the biggest ones. Uh, they're not in any way insurmountable. If one thinks about how the credit card industry has grown and, and really enabled you to be able to, uh, with the simple swipe of a card, be able to move uh, dollars, pounds, yen, uh, walk into a hotel anywhere in the world. But there are costs associated with doing that business, both for the merchants and for the individual user. And what we're trying to do with developing this international network is to help reduce some of those costs. I anticipate that the credit card companies will be full participants in, in this activity, as will traditional finance. But our, our goal, as I said earlier, is to be able to give you the opportunity to do exactly what you described. Walk into a hotel, swipe a card, or probably more applicable, swipe your phone, and be able to pay for whatever you want to do in, in USDC. I think that is something that's a, that, that is, uh, could be very real in the next five years. And it's certainly part of what Center is working on today. I just noticed that uh, USCC just partnered with WorldPay only a month ago. Yes. WorldPay is one of the biggest uh, remittance companies out there. So, yeah, I mean, the, the rails are being built. Uh, and soon it's just going to be a simple software update on the POS device most people already have in their stores to enable this stuff. So exciting world ahead it's of coming. us. Yes. Yeah. I want to go back all the way to the beginning before we wrap up this episode. Just a couple more questions left for you, David. What was the aha moment where you heard about crypto and decided this is the opportunity that you want to be involved in? A man who could choose literally anything, any institution in the world to go to work for, if you needed to work at all. What was it about this space where you said, I got to be here? Uh it's a very it's a very kind question, and I will tell you, I, I, I come here to do this because I absolutely love what we are doing, and I see tremendous promise. But it was it was actually a moment uh, when I was thinking about leaving the previous company that 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 I ran, which was uh, a highly regulated company in the traditional finance space, and. I saw what the cost of doing business was. And I'd actually seen it, having been involved with markets for all of my career, the cost of doing business of moving cross-border transactions to me was something that has always been far too great. And while the costs have come down marginally, they're far from where they can get to. And so it was a moment near the end of 2018 that I thought, wait a second, stable coins can answer that question. Stable coins can absolutely reduce the cost. And that, that vision of being able to move money at the speed of the internet for virtually no cost across boundaries around the world, that was the moment that said, this is something I need to pursue. That's awesome. All right, well, 
just to wrap up before we let you go, do you have any words of wisdom for anyone who's brand new to the space that you can relate? Just some advice that you had to learn, maybe the hard way, getting in, depending on how you look at it, you could either say it was the worst time in a bear market, but the best opportunity to potentially make your first investment in crypto. What are some words of warning and caution or wow. optimism that you might want to share? I'll, I'll stick with the optimistic side. I think the most important thing that I would tell anybody that's looking at this uh, at this space is it's very, very early. And if you're entering it, you're still a pioneer at what it is that you're doing. And recognize that you're surrounded by other pioneers who are looking for ways to give people greater ownership of their uh, of their finances. And that's the strongest message I can send is this is not, uh, this is not late in the game. This technology is evolving every single day. And every one of us in the community is learning something new every day. So come be part of it because it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. Uh, so just keep that in mind that, that you're not coming late. You're still coming early. That's a brilliant message. And I echo that hundred percent. Uh, and lastly, where can we follow you to get some more of your great insights or learn more about Center Consortium? Well, uh, Center is growing very rapidly. We, uh, if you look at center.io, uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us uh, at our website. And, uh, and I can say you can always find us because we are, uh, while we're a small and quickly growing company, we're already global in nature. And uh, we are, as I spoke earlier, we're working on projects in the Australasian region. We're, we're working on projects in Europe uh, and we're, we're trying to, to build and develop standards as fast as we can to help create this global network. That's brilliant. David, thank you so much once again for being here with us and we can't wait to have you back. Uh, as soon as you have some big updates to share with us um, or maybe just annually, just to pick your mind about the markets. Well, Aaron, I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you, and we can't wait to be back. So uh, uh, I will keep you posted and the community posted on some of the developments at Center, and there's some there's some, some important ones coming out in the next two months. So really look forward to sharing that. That's great. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning okay. in. We'll be back later this week with another great guest here at the Crypto 101 Podcast. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.